All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing and spinning the one and twos. All right, we're broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online studios, and today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. And this next segment is going to be sponsored by Specs. If you're looking to order or you want to check on the new products coming in or if you just want to order for same day delivery, you can always go to specsonline.com because the fun starts here. And that is Specs, official sponsor of the sports grind and their official partner of your Dallas Cowboys who really got embarrassed yesterday. Okay. Really got embarrassed yesterday. But back before we move on, let me go back to my finish up my Packer situation. And I know I had Packer fan on Twitter who who reached out to me, Packer guy. Uh yeah, SA Packer backer uh-huh. uh said this Packer team ain't built ain't built for the cold. It's ironic, I know. Well, you know, I, and I know S.A. Packer backer there heard me a few weeks ago. I said, you know, the crazy thing about it is, you know, the Ted Thompson rest his soul. You know, the old GM for the Packers, the way they built those teams, they really built those teams to take advantage of 18 degrees and 22 degrees when you get to December and January. Um, this team over the last few years, I mean, there's different contribution factors to it. But if you look at it, they're more a little bit of finesse team built than they were some of them teams that uh, Favre and all that go. Their record, something's going on. Like I said, these are three straight L's at home in elimination. That was a playoff game last night. It really was. It really was. I mean, it almost was close about to be a game winner takes all. If, if, if you know, if Baker just didn't digress and throw a couple of INTs and up in the 12th man, it was about to be Detroit and Green Bay winner take all. The one thing I will say this, I believe Aaron Rodgers, I don't care what he said. In the pre- and this is the thing, what I mean about the press conference and him making about him. Not once. I get it with the Bears. He don't like the Bears. That's a heated rivalry. It's one-sided right now. But if, regardless, that's a, that's a heated rivalry. I get that if it's better. Not one congratulations to the Detroit Lions. Salty. Like you as a you know you've owned this team. You know you've seen this team try to get over the hump. You've been there going back to some days in the gym. Not one thing to say, man. Hats off to that team that you just said was a team a couple weeks ago. Selfish. You, not once. It made it all well, you know. And again, in Aaron's defense, he's asking a question from a reporter back there asking about, hey, you know, your contract here, you know, this, this. And then Aaron takes the time to let us know that he has generational wealth. He used those exact words. Go look it up. And say, hey, you know, you know, these young guys. Look, I said it in August when he went through this whole thing. Aaron, I believe Aaron, he's coming back to Green Bay. They want him back. He's coming back. But next year is going to be his last year. He's made too much money. He wants to get into other things, whether it's hosting Jeopardy, whether it's going to Hollywood. He's not going to turn around that money that he's got right now that's coming to him coming next year. But next year, he's going to retire. And, the, and, and there will still be some residue left. They're going to be in cap. They're going to take a cap hit with that. I knew it once they signed that four-year, whatever extension was, he wasn't finishing that out. But the moral of the story before we move on, he's three. He's going home three straight times on his home field, grass. The frozen tundra to golf in Detroit. And let me tell you something. Newsflash to Packer fans. That team down there with Detroit, it looks like them. I mean, Minnesota, I like Kevin O'Connell. I like them. You know, Kurt, I don't know. But Detroit's going to be a team that looks like they about to go ahead and they really going to end up running this division until the Bears catch up. I got faith in Justin Fields. Now, Texans, gift wrapped them the number one overall pick, you know, Probably had somewhat to do to cost Lovey his job, even though I think that was already decided. Okay. 
But the Texans, I mean, they did every, I mean, me personally, they did everything trying to lose that game. I mean, you just have to look at the opponent they played. I mean, that just sums up the whole Indianapolis Colts season with the whole interim amateur hour, Jeff Saturday, the whole crew. Hey, you haven't called plays since the sixth grade? Yeah, man, I was on a pop one or two. Oh, come on. Call these plays. So their offensive coordinator that you tried never called plays before. Everybody knows, knock the ball down. Now, the guy misjudged it. But the t- and Lovey's like, hell, man. They already told me I wasn't coming back. Screw them. Let's go and win. And I know it's funny. Everybody, oh, you know, Lovey coached in Chicago. I got to listen to Bear fans on social media. Hey, you know Chicago. You know he coached. That was just one for us. Nah, man, that was a middle finger to, like, he already knew his time was up. And let's just be frank. I told you I felt about Houston's front office. They've used two coaches in the last two seasons to tank. Just think about that. Okay. Now I can understand. And, and let me tell you something. These two coaches, they knew exactly what they signed up for. Lovey knew at the beginning of the season what to do. I, I, you know, I failed to realize, and I failed to forget, I should say that Lovey was on this staff. You know, they pretty much just pivot to have some company. So I'm pretty sure McNair, McNair told them like, Hey man, I'm just gonna tell you right now. Now the optics still look bad and I don't knock Lovey for doing it. Cause at the end of the day, that Lovey got to display for other teams that, Hey, I still got it. I know I got this great beard. You know, I know I got this great beer, but I can still coach in this league. They were in every game. I mean, all the Texans need, in my opinion, is a franchise quarterback, which are hard to find, but they're going to get their crack at it. We don't think they're going to get their crack at it. And they need probably another receiver and probably maybe a pass rusher. They're close, especially if you look at that division. I mean, Tennessee showed you what I said all year, Adam Agoria. They were retooling. They ran out of gas. And I'm so disappointed the way they lost that game. Speaking of Tennessee, I'm surprised that Mike Vrabel did not intercept the calls coming in. Like, you have a guy in Dobbs that has not started a game since 2020 when everybody had COVID-19 and he was playing for Pittsburgh. You go ahead in an elimination game, drop him back with a game that, do you realize in probably in that fourth quarter, I saw Jacksonville went three straight possessions and did not pick up a first down. Tennessee was in control of that, man. All you got to do is two minutes and 29 seconds left, punt the ball and say, hey, come beat us. Come get the field goal would have sent in overtime. Totally. The offensive coordinator lost that call. They lost that game, period. Putting them in that situation. But they were retooling anyway. Jacksonville wins that division. Got to give a got to give a hats off to Doug Peterson. But if you look at the Texans, man, I mean, it's a sad situation. You know, I don't want to go all into it now on how I feel, but the reality of it is they've used two guys, two brothers, by the way, for for tank, for for pretty much tanking. I've never seen anything like this. And I think they and you and the question I have, what legit candidate worth anything that has any skins on the wall that's proven who is taking that job? It's going to have to be an upstart or somebody. I mean, think about what you're getting into. And yes, I do believe that factor played a quick decision. I think they were going to reevaluate and they said, oh, you want to win this game? It costs us number one pick. You saw McNair walk on the sideline. He walked down from whatever. That let me know. And then all of a sudden, three or four hours later, it's like, hey, Lovey's been released. No, like what? And Lovey's like, hey, man, the bird shot the bird on the way out. Now, I don't think if you're a Texas fan, first of all, if you're Bears, I'm trading that pick because the Bears need a lot. You know, they're not in the market for a quarterback. The number one pick hardly ever gets traded in the National Football League, but you got to look at the circumstances. If I'm the Chicago Bears and know that Justin feels, we don't know what Justin looks like from the pocket because Justin's been running for his life since week one, since he go back to Nagy last year when they tried to put him in. They need offensive line. 
They need defensive help and they need some weapons for him. They got a hundred million dollars. They're going to have a hundred million dollars in cap space. And now they've got the number one pick. If I'm Chicago, and let me tell you something, that hundred million that's being reported they got, go see how much that family, how much they really spend of that. They're going to be looking for coupons and everything. Chicago don't spend money. They got a hundred million. They don't spend money on coaches. They don't spend money on players. So I'm going to see how much that hundred million they spend, but they are in a good situation. They don't need a quarterback trade that pick. If I'm Chicago go, I'm looking at, Hey, give me the files of what the 49ers got. Go look at what they gave up to go move up to trade. Who, who, whoever that was at the 40. Let me look at that. That's where we start. And that's what I'm getting because I don't really need, I, I need other help. I don't need a quarterback. I don't need young. I don't need Duggan, Duggan. Tonight after tonight, you might just be Mad Max. He pull off this one. I'll tell you that. But the reality of it is, is that they don't need a court. Trade them picks, man. I'm not even a GM. I can tell you that. I'm willing and dealing, man. I'm getting me uh, maybe another first next year, too. And it's going to people going to be thirsty. Colts sitting right there at three or four. They thirsty. We know the number one city. They got to find a coach who's going to work for that owner. But they need a quarterback. They can't see bring quarterback. They'll move up a couple spots. Get them behind the woodshed. Look at some of these other, even if you're not in the quarterback, Chicago needs to trade that pick because they need so much other stuff. They lucked up into it anyway. They wouldn't even, they didn't even think they would have a chance to get the number one. They just lucked up into it. Lost enough games. What you got? Well, a, a question on that is, I don't know. When you look at it, the Texans are prime right there. Need a quarterback. They've got the number two pick. Um, would you take a discounted value even if you're the Bears to trade back? Because I don't, I don't know if for this year's number one you get a haul like we've seen in the past. Look, but just to have more maybe first round inventory, um, you all, I mean, you you have the opportunity to grab the top defender off the board. You let you traded Roquan Smith over mm -hmm. to Baltimore this year. Yeah. Why not use that that pick right there? Um, I, and and if. The, 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 what's the value have to be for that top pick to trade out of? I guess is what well, I'm really well, trying to get well, to. Well, let me pull the curtain back a little bit and understand how this works in the National Football League, what I've been told and what a research and, you know, stuff like that. What it comes down to is there's a point system that GMs Correct. have. Okay, when you talk about trading picks and trading up. To answer that question, it's going to depend on who wants to move up, where they're originally at, and how that's going to play out. That's how it works. But what I'm telling you is that 49ers package, we're starting there. I mean, to me, you can't, well, this is a class that I don't know if it's, no, man, you can, look, you can't do anything without them. Having a guy at the quarterback position, the best thing to do is get one in the draft that is that guy that you can take advantage of this cheap-ass rookie contract for years to come. So to me, you can't, there's going to be teams that are going to be thirsty to get the first pick on the car lot of a, uh, a young of a Dugan, of a Stroud. There's some other guys we didn't even talk about that we when we get close to March, April, I think there's some other quarterbacks that's out there and other teams that we're really not talking about because they weren't on national television games. They didn't play for big program. There's this is a decent, probably deep quarterback draft. They're gonna be thirsty. You can Chicago, you in my opinion, you gotta try to flip that. You it's not just a yes, you make a good point in regards. Hey, you traded off to your best defensive player. Yeah, they could get the best defensive player of the draft. They really need the best offensive line tackle in the draft if you want to do that. But it's so much stuff. Take advantage of the circumstances you're in. Because not every year somebody's gonna trade that one pick. People always come, oh, we're open for business. We'll listen. Okay, but that's that's just that's just seeing what you can what people are really willing to give for it. It normally doesn't get traded, but you're in this circumstance where you can though. 
because you got your quarterback of the few. We need to find out what he looks like behind a better offensive line and weapons. Moving on, some other things on Sunday in NFL that took place before we get into the firings and stuff like that. An emotional victory for the Buffalo Bills. You know, we weren't on. I didn't get a chance to comment about the whole Buffalo Bills situation last Monday with Hamlin, the whole things like that. Um, definitely had some thoughts in regards to the reaction of really America. You know, it, it's one of those that um, it didn't shock me. I think it's one of those that you could say probably since 9-11, that's sad. But since 9-11, that's probably the most unified the country has been, that things stopped the bickering, the whatever, for those because we saw maybe some man witness almost died on the football field. But I think the reaction in regards to the insensitivity and all like, wow, to me, I just felt like, look, I know because I've been doing this for a while now, and I know I've talked about it on this show before. In regards to what happened, you know, guys are getting bigger, faster, and stronger. What happens in the case that we really see somebody down the field? We, I've had those conversations before, even though you don't wish anything like that. I think the NFL, first of all, I think the Cincinnati Bengals fans, I think the people there, the first responders, I think it was A on. I think the NFL, out of all the scrutiny they've got with the concussion situation, especially this year with the Tua debacle a couple times, you know, in regards to everything, I think they deserve a lot of credit because about seven, eight, ten years ago, that young man probably doesn't make it. And it just puts a damper and changes the whole culture of the season, everything going. But they had the right medical resources and intentions on the face. It's the best of the best. It's not about having somebody that just knows how to do CPR. It's not about just having you have the top of the top in that region that is in whether they're subcontracted or whatever, they work for the team that are the best doctors coming out of their profession. So props to them. But I think everybody under a fortunate circumstances a week from uh, past week from today, I think everybody handled it as best as they could. Um, I think yesterday when you saw the emotions and I think really, you know, Jonas and I was having this conversation throughout the week was about like, hey, how is this going to happen? How is this play? How are the Bills going to, you know, pretty much respond? Because I'm a firm believer, never experienced one. Well, almost. I was back in high school. It was in a little car wreck there. But it wasn't really. But you talk about having near-death experiences. I've never really had that close of a near-death. But I would assume it really changes you. It changes you. Like I've said this before, I'm surprised Tiger Woods' ass end up getting back to try to even play golf or do anything when he almost lost his life, considering what he accomplished, where it puts a value and puts things in perspectives, all those cliches you hear people say. So, but when I hear this kid's asking when he wakes up who won the game, that lets me know what kind of cloth he's cut from. And that also lets me know he's probably not wanting to go out like that. But yesterday's game, the emotions of Bill's Mafia, the old NFL, you know, diving in and caring. I mean, there was something that we've never really seen before, but the Bills were able to channel that. And I think that when they were able to see his face and talk to him, when, you know, McDermott, the, the whole Bill staff surprised them and said, hey, we got a surprise for you. They put him on video. I think that gave an ease. And, and, you know, his communication said, you know what? And they went out. Hines took the kickoff out the gate. Out the gate. I mean, you can't write this stuff in Holly. I mean, Oliver Stone can't write a script like that. You know, in the beginning, any given Sunday was spot on. But even then, he couldn't write no skip, uh, uh, you know, script like that. The Patriots, on the other hand, they're going home. You know, I don't really look. I didn't look at the Patriots as a playoff team at all this year. You know, um, I think, you know, Bill has come out and said he plans on coming back for his 24th season. That's crazy, but he's coming back. I figured he would. Um, they just really, you know, I think Mac Jones is going to be okay. I think Mac Jones is the guy that needs a lot around him to make things go, you know, right for him. But the main thing the Patriots got to do, Bill has to look at it. They had a horrible season on special teams. 
To be this a Bill Belichick coach team, their special teams have been horrible this season, and they really laid an egg the last two weeks. If you go back to the, the game against the Raiders, how they lost them, that cost them the playoffs. Special teams, if you look at the start of the game, giving a kick, they gave out two kickoff returns yesterday. That's unheard of of a Bill Belichick coach team, but he's coming back next year. It's a bros and Joes things with New England. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's a bros and Joes things with them. He's got to change his philosophy in regards to really, you know, I would say the first thing he needs to do is he needs to get somebody that's in there competent, a real offensive coordinator. He needs to bring somebody in New England as a real offensive coordinator. I think it started Mac Jones on the wrong foot. I'm not saying Patricia did a bad job. You know, first it was going to be Judge. And then with that up for a second-year quarterback and Mac Jones, who has come from a program of stability for the most part, that was definitely a culture shock probably for Mac Jones. So that's one of the things that I will see when, you know, when we get back into the offseason to see how they address that offseason offensive coordinator situation. When we get back, I want to talk about some of the firings. What are some of the jobs opening? Take a look at that wild card. Circle back a little bit to the NBA as well. Got some college basketball news off the court that I want to touch on as well. Also, you listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. We are broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online studios. We'll be back. Are you ready for a real cocktail? Then crack open a great tasting Zing Zang ready to drink cocktail. Like our Bloody Mary with vodka in a can. It's full strength with 9% alcohol and America's number one Bloody Mary mix. Or try our mango margarita crafted with silver tequila and real mango puree. Unlike those hard seltzers, each can is made with premium spirits and real ingredients. Just like a bartender made it for you. Zing Zang. Always bold, always ready. Go to ZingZang.com to find where to buy. Please Zing Zang responsibly. Official sponsor of the Sports Cry. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor of the sports grind are you moving around the greater san antonio area choose the storage experts tiger moving and storage whether you're moving an office or the whole family tiger moving and storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient prompt and cost-effective service to learn more and to secure your portable storage container today go to choose tiger.com tiger moving and storage official sponsor of the sports grind When life sounds too much like this. It's time to consider more of this. Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos Equis Lager. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Just because the sun is setting earlier doesn't mean the fun stops sooner. Now is the perfect time to get to Specs and stock up on after-summer savings with fresh new releases in every category. 
Specs has Texas' largest selection of lower-priced wines, craft cocktail ingredients, and beers that'll have you raising a glass to every sunset. The biggest savings of the season are at Specs. The fun starts here. All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing and spinning the one and twos. Today's show was presented by Dos Equis, and we are broadcasting from the Hazel Skyline Studios. And this next segment is going to be sponsored by Pendleton Whiskey. It's an oak barrel aged whiskey distilled in Canada using the finest ingredients before bottling glaciers fed spring water as added from Mount, Mount Hood, Oregon's highest peak. Pendleton Whiskey delivers uncommonly smooth taste and rich complex flavor. That is Pendleton Whiskey. It's official sponsor of the Sports Grind and it's an official spirit of the pro rodeo cowboy association and the official whiskey of the professional bull riding pbr velocity tour that is pendleton whiskey official sponsor of the sports grind all right so if you just tune it in and you i meant to say this at the top of the hour i meant i said it in the beginning of the hour um you know uh, if you missed the announcement on the uh change of stuff go to uh facebook business page of sports grind entertainment or my personal facebook page uh, make sure y'all follow me on Twitter. If you're not following me on Twitter, it's at Sports Grind. Uh, but we did make the announcement in regards to uh, the changes, so I won't go into there. You have to go look at the video. But I did announce, you know, on the show at the beginning in regards to uh, the phone calls. You know, um, we made the transition to build the studio out, you know, last year, until the middle of last year in this phase. Um, of it is the next phase is to get the uh, phone lines installed because I've been custom using one number for all these years. So now that we're expanding in different market stuff, we're going to have one neutral uh, new 800 number to call. So waiting on the phone company. So that'll probably take another week or so. Maybe we're staying in contact with them. So other than that, I mean, because it's a show that likes the participation from the audience, as long as it makes sense, as long as you're coming here with good takes, um, I don't mind. You know, but we just got to be patient and navigate through this until then. Until then, you can comment by tweeting or you can go to Facebook Live and leave comments there. Speaking of Facebook Live, do we have any comments today that you want to go ahead and get to? Yeah, we got Dante Evans in here. Uh, mm -hmm. says, we know Jerry Jones is up in age and his time is ticking. You don't think he has his doubts about Dak? Question mark. Uh, a lot, and I, a lot, and I mean a lot of these throws are on Dak's decision making. Pressure makes diamonds or bust pipes, and he wets the bed in games that mean the most. At what point do you ask if you're wasting this defensive window? Um, Dante, I think we're speeding when it comes to that. Um, in regards when we talk about this defensive window, because, again, how good is this defense really? I mean, this is a defense that saw Howe come out the bullpen first start all year that just marched all down. I mean, they are. I'm not trying to tell you Dallas is defensive trash, but when I talk about, you know, when we talk about windows of defense, I'm talking about some historic championship. When I'm talking about like the window, like you can't. That's it. And I'm not killing Dante because Dante has some good. He always has good questions, good insight. He knows the sports, but I will tell you that I feel like when you talk like that, when you say, "Well, how? Well, this window didn't know." That's a Seattle Seahawks question back in the day during the Legion of Boom. What did they really squeeze out of that? Nothing. Too much in-house fighting. Thought Russ was too much of a teacher's pet. Didn't that that ran its course? When we talk about windows of championship defense, like hey, how Dallas, this is a defense that didn't hit a wall. 
it's fatigue. They, you know, it reminds me of it reminds me of those freshmen or those that go straight to high school to the NBA or they come out of their freshman year out of they they lead to the NBA at the freshman year and they have no idea what an 82 game schedule feels like and all the travel. And you could tell unless you won the top, I'm not talking about the top dudes that come out. I'm talking about maybe those Miller Road guys, 8, 10, 15 pick. And then when they get halfway to the 30 mark, we ain't even to the all-star break, they start, you know, like, damn. Because normally they feel like they used to playing like a 15, 18 games, 20 games in the college season. That it, it, This reminds me of that a defense in the last quarter of the season looks like it's ran out of gas. Now, I told you at the beginning of the show, Jason Garrett brought up a good point. I heard nobody, no analysts on TV, anybody talk about they don't look the same on grass. They look a lot faster on that turf over there. I agree with Tony Dungeon. If I'm the grounds crew at Tampa, I'm saying, hey, man, we ain't cutting the grass this week. Leave the water sprinklers on. All right, they'll get the water bill. They ain't no water restrictions like we are in this region. Water the damn thing every night. Any advantage you can get, you know? But no, Dante, I don't, I don't know about window closing. I think it just comes down to where if this falls, I mean, if they fall short at one and done, it's a situation where they've got to evaluate something because there's a lot of shaking and moving with coaches being fired and candidates here, interviews. We'll get to this here in a minute. But I feel like they'll have that question and Jerry and Steve are like, hey, hold on. You know, what are, what, are, what are we doing? And it depends on how they lose. It really depends on. But I'm telling you, that question is going to be warranted if they lose against Tampa based off of what they displayed in the nation's capital yesterday. That lets you know how prepared are they really to go into a deep playoff run. That didn't look like that last night. It didn't. It really didn't. So speaking of coaches and windows, and, you know, again, this is we tried to get away from calling it black money, but it's all black money. You see, I had my old black never had because it was time to put this season to bed. You know, I'll get my thoughts on that. But what are we looking at? I mean, we had, you know, um, I know we had Lovey last night after the game that was released. And then probably about an hour or two before we came on air, we, we were pretty much. You know, tell me what's going on in the desert with Cliff Kingsbury. What's the decision that they made out there? Well, it's beyond just Kingsbury in Arizona, but uh, the Cardinals have fired Cliff Kingsbury uh, following a four and thirteen season, uh, according to NFL.com. Breaking it down, uh, of course, he did sign that contract extension uh, going into the season. Uh, that would have had that would had him with the team through twenty twenty seven. But they're also and we already know that general manager Steve Keim, he was stepped away from the team for a while due to health reasons uh, and to focus on his health. But they have announced today as well that uh, he has been relieved of his duties and will not be back. He is stepping down. They're saying Cliff is stepping down. No, they're saying Keim is stepping down well, they, officially. Yeah. He had, Well, he was an indefinitely away from the team. Uh, now he's officially okay. stepping down. And then Cliff Kingsbury Cliff. has been fired. Well, again, um, it's not a shock. I mean, there was rumors coming. I mean, there's a lot of executives and coaches in the league that's kind of running the Cliffs that, that for the last few weeks I've been following the story that has been you know running to his defense behind closed doors knowing that, hey, he's going to take the fall for this. But this is a front office hot mess. First of all, again, I go back to when we look at these jobs, what are the ones that are attractive the most? Because this Kyler Murray situation is a bad situation. 
I mean, first of all, not only did you give him his contract, which he didn't have a resume that really warranted that. I understand his numbers. He put up his rookie year or whatever, but they fell out and flamed out the last two years, lo losing in the second half of the season. But you give him this contract, and then we find out, is he really studying? Is he really taking the time or whatever? Then they have to go ahead, and that's why they gave him the contract. It's almost like, hey, we're sorry, money. We sorry this leaked. And it could have been a secretary that leaked it. Then you get the question of how guys really perceive them in the locker room. If you look at this job, you can't tell me a serious candidate, even a first-time coach, who is really wanting to come in and, first of all, inherit Kyler Murray just off job. And I'm I'm kind of surprised, not shocked, but surprised that Cliff didn't, you know, hang on and survive this because I felt any new coach is not going to have Kyler Murray for OTAs, training camp. They, they can't even learn their system. And to me, Kyler Murray was handpicked for Cliff Kingsbury for the system that Cliff was going to run. This is a tough situation. Nobody would know about it because all the tension has been up in the Rocky Mountains. Oh, this guy, this contract's so horrible. No, nah, I wasn't the only one. A lot of people sitting at home, too. But the reality of it is, is that who's how, how attractive a job is this? I don't know really if it's that attractive. It's obviously they're cleaning the house, but they can't clean uh you know, Colin Murray, they, I mean, that that's going to be there. Maybe you hang on to Colt McCoy, make him start. Maybe you go in that way. But keep in mind, man, you, you're at least going to be stuck with Collar when he comes back for a leader at the end of the year, in my opinion. But Cliff's out. So what are the openings that we've got? And what were some of our – because we had a talk about this in August on this show in regards to who I thought was going in the hot seat at the beginning of the season. So how off was I about some of these? Were I right about any of them? But what, what is it looking like? So let's start there. Let's start with the preseason predictions. Okay. Mm. Um, we had uh, Mike McDaniel, which we knew that Sean Payton rumors. That's really why his name was here was because of the rumors and the, um, well, I didn't put him there, the but, backdoor yeah. talks that uh, Stephen Ross was having. Mike McDaniel was on there. The, of course, the Dolphins head coach. Um, uh, Rivera, Ron Rivera. No, I put Ron. I know I didn't put McDaniel's in there. Which are you giving me the list that I'm I put giving, on there? This is the the preseason list that we had. I, I it's a combined list. It is a combined list. I'm talking that from you the and show. I did. Yes. Correct. Okay. Did you put Mike McDaniel? Because I didn't. I I didn't ever put. McDaniels I, I, I have. I did not have him. Uh, this one I remember. It was the Sean Payton connection. You said I wouldn't be surprised. This one wasn't a hard and fast. This was a I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, looking at even even if they had some success hmm. because of the Sean Payton, and this was but hot you know, right in the Sean but, Payton. But, but I can't put that as a hot seat. Like a hot seat is like bad performance. Like that is just pretty much big bank take little bank. Like hey, I, I got more skins on the wall. I want your seat. But but I feel you. But let's 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 moving let's, on. Uh, Matt Rule, he's already gone. Yeah, he's we gone. already know yeah, he's yeah. gone. Uh, we had a Frank Reich already gone. Uh, Coach McCarthy was on this list. Depending on how this weekend goes, mm. could he find himself a, a late doomsday Monday? I mean, like I've just been saying this whole show here today, I mean, if you look at what they displayed in the nation capital yesterday, if they go one and done, it's got to be talked about. I don't know if they'll do it. I mean, there's a lot of times of coming here on this show in the Jason Garrett era after week 16, then you played 17 weeks then before we extended the season. We thought it was going to be it for Garrett. He survived, he survived, he survived until Jerry really hit rock bottom and said, hey, you're not going to be the next Bill Walsh. And he gave up. I don't know, you know, with Mike McCarthy, and if you go and get him, who are you going to replace? Look, I've been high with Dallas 
on this before even all this took place that I thought for sure. I've listened to the rumors for the last six years about Sean Payton going to Dallas. I thought for sure when Sean stepped away from the game, if he came back and Mike McCarthy stumbled, he was going to be the next coach of your Dallas Cowboys. But then, you know, I started to think things through and look at the history and the credit report and the track record. And I jumped off of that a little bit because I started thinking like, wait a minute, this is never really about a control thing. Because, you know, a lot of people are like, Sean's not going to work for Jerry. It's a control thing. And it's, to me, this is more of a money thing. I pay attention to the owners in the NFL that don't pay money, that don't want to pay high money for coaches. And Jerry's got the most wealthiest team in sports in the world. And Jerry does not play high dollar for coaches. He's only paid a high dollar for a coach once, and that was Bill Parcells because he wanted Jerry's world built. And let me tell you something. That was a cesspool that Bill inherited. Okay, you're talking about the Quincy coming off the Quincy Carter days, all that stuff. That was a bad time for the Cowboys really down before Roma, before Bill Parcells showed up. That was a hot mess. You know what I'm saying? That he had to clean up. That was coming off the Campo era. I mean, come on, man. I don't know who had a better job to do uh, after coming into it from a different administration. That's almost the challenges Obama had coming in that damn administration, the father he did. But go keep it going. Uh, quickly running so we can get to today's news, quickly running through some other candidates that we had on there that so far have not been released. Uh, Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland. They did move their defensive coordinator, but he still has his job so far. Uh, Pete Carroll. Uh, I think when you look at what Seattle did this year, you can't take him out. Dan Campbell, same thing. Brandon Staley, you're on the record already saying if Sean Payton is that guy, even though they made the playoffs, he could find his way out. And finally, Lovey Smith, who, you, as you mentioned earlier, has been fired by the Texans. So that's where our list left off from the preseason. Well, I, I really think going to the Staley situation, Sean, I mean, looking at that family too, the Spano family, whoever owns the tribe, they're tight watch too, but I feel that Staley's done enough to come back another year. I mean, they to me, that's probably the most intriguing matchup of wildcard weekend is Jacksonville and the Chargers. Because if, if you look at it, the coaching advantage is definitely with Doug Peterson. But if you look at the players that have to play in that game, Playoff experience, that's a wash. I mean, look at the both quarterbacks. I mean, Justin Herbert ain't really been here. Trevor Lawrence is this is first. So if you look at that, that's a very intriguing matchup. And keep in mind, I think it was week three or four. Jacksonville went out and beat the crap out of the Chargers. It was probably Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville's best game they played all year. They were clicking. They played this game early. We've, most people forgot about that. That's the most intriguing matchup, in my opinion, in week, Wild Card Weekend. I don't know which way I'm leaning, but that's very intriguing. But I think Staley's done enough to, to, to survive. So we've got Cliff out. So we now uh, running through who has already been cut this season officially. Cliff, is, Cliff Kingsbury's out. Matt Rule, of course, was already out. Uh, Carolina also had fired their defensive coordinator. Um, head coach-wise, Denver Broncos fired Hackett. Uh, the Texans firing Smith, Colts firing Reich. And then um, that's as far as you get in the firings of head coaches. Tennessee had already fired their GM previously. The Colts, uh, of course, had previously fired their offensive coordinator as well. And uh, as we already mentioned too, Cleveland firing their defensive coordinator. So now when you look at the openings, because we already have some scheduled interviews and interview requests out there, specifically looking at the head coach openings, Carolina has requested or has scheduled interviews with Jim Caldwell and Steve Wilkes. Steve Wilkes is the interim coach there. Jim Caldwell, former Lions and Colts coach. Uh, Denver has uh, scheduled uh, Ajiro Evero, the defensive coordinator currently with Denver. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, 
Of course, Michigan head coach, he's been scheduled. Raheem Morris has been requested. Sean Payton requested, um, which has been approved by the Saints. Uh, Dan Quinn requested, and D'Amico Ryan's requested. And that's for who you just read off? And that is for the Denver job. Oh, damn Dan Quinn. I, I'll tell you right now, I don't want nothing to do with that. Don't want anything to do with that team, but just go on. I'll circle back to the thing, but who else we got? All right, and finally, the only team, the other team that we have head coach interview requests on is the Texans. Ajiro Averro, again, defense coordinator in Denver. Uh, Jonathan Gannon, defensive coordinator for the Eagles. D'Amico Ryans, 49ers defensive coordinator. And then Ben Johnson, Lions offensive coordinator. And Shane Steichen now has been added to that list, the Eagles offensive coordinator. Okay, the first thing that stands out to that list of the that's that's kind of fluent that's coming out a lot today in regards to you know news or who's been requested. The thing that stands out to me that first of all, there's a lot of brothers on that list that's coming to interviews. In my opinion, that's a lot. Hey, they could be candidates, but let's make sure we get this Rooney rule off the way. Okay, especially after last night. I know their phone emails like, hey, what did McNair do to y'all? Danny fired Lovey. Damn, I know the rest are like, really. Hey, man, how many candidates we get? No, put them first. It, it, that's what it, I'm not saying nothing brothers going to be legit, but keep in mind, there's a Rooney rule, and this is the double-edged sword of the Rooney. Who's just going there? Now, they'll say, hey, you're getting experience. Come in and learn the interview process. Go ask Eric B. how many times he went through this damn thing. I, this is what I'll say. I don't believe anybody's getting signed until the guy in Michigan, which keep in mind, we didn't have time to get into it today. We'll get into it tomorrow. Michigan's about to be investigated. The, 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 you know, and these are for minor recruiting fractions. Now, what I'm hearing and what my sources are telling me, this is one of those situations where Jim kind of tried to lie to the NCAA and cover the cover up in the investigation. And now Michigan has to look at to see if there's rounds of, hey, man, well, wait a minute. Do we have to, you know, sacrifice one of our own and letting Jim go? That's brewing. That makes me wonder in the time. And I don't believe anybody's getting signed until Jim decides what he wants to do, until Sean Payton decides what he wants to do. It's no different than a free agent. It ain't no different than a quarterback. It ain't no like until those two, because I'm telling you, that's all these people, Houston, Arizona, everybody's clearing to be like, hey, let's see if we can get an interview. Now, the Saints are looking back and saying, hey, we're cool. The reports, they already agreed to whatever compensation there is. Denver and Saints are on the same page for it. I'm eager to know what the hell that is. Whatever it is, I'll take it. But the truth of the matter is there's two big fish, man. And it's Coach Harbaugh and it's Peyton. We always got two big ones that's coming into any offseason. So those are the two. After that, then you'll start going ahead and prop into this. Dallas, though, it depends on what happens. Jerry doesn't pay big money for coaches. He just doesn't. That's why I think that even if Mike McCarthy had to let go, Sean, or that, he's just not going to pay that money because Sean wants to get paid. Sean's going to get paid. I'm hearing numbers from the Penner Group to about 20 to 25 million a year. Can you imagine that? And this is real talk. That's about an 18 year That's a quarter billion dollars. That changes the game. We'll get more into it. I'm pretty sure there might be a surprise one that we find out in the next 24, 48 hours before we, you know, reveal tomorrow. But anyway, that is a wrap for today. Special thanks to the producer of the show, Jonas Clark. All right. San Antonio, Austin, Waco, Temple, Colleen, people up in the Shaw City, people down the whole 305 South Florida region, and my people down Laredo. When that alarm goes off tomorrow morning before you hit the snooze button, before you roll out the rack, just ask yourself. You grind in peace. See you tomorrow.